Hello, Scream Demons, and welcome to the Screams in the Basement podcast with Sam and Casey. This is a horror podcast in which two horror fans discuss all things horror, including news, recent watches, horror collectibles, and more. I am one of your co-hosts, and I definitely blush. I'm Casey. <laughs> and I'm Sam. <laughs> and, and let's, let's get, get screaming. screaming. Sam. How's I'm excited. Going? I, it's it's going good. I'm excited to talk about this this uh, topic that we have scheduled here for today's show. I'm excited yeah. to. Uh, I'm I'm actually excited to talk about a comic book movie for the first time in like three years. It's 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 wild. It, it's we 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 now live in an age where I'm I'm borderline like ready for a break from comic book movies, but. We're not getting one tonight. We're not ready for that break. We're talking about two of the best sequels of all time in terms mm-hmm. of comic book movies. Uh, we're talking Guillermo del Toro's Blade 2 and Hellboy 2. But yeah. Sam, we're, we're not alone. We're not. We're never alone. <laughs> well, no, we're, we are never alone. Jesus is always here with us in this show. <laughs> But we can maybe do one better this time around. He has the he has the same haircut as 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 the the one and only Jesus Christ. It's he is <laughs> he is John Runyon. John, Woo! welcome to the show. Hello, thank you guys so much for having me tonight. Oh my God, thanks for being on, man. This yeah. has been a, a long time coming. I feel like the crossover that just needed to happen. Yeah, it, it was only a matter of time before this crossover happened. Like every great comic book crossover. Exactly. Sometimes you just gotta summon all the dark forces in the area code, and you know, I'm not saying we're it, but we're a good portion. I was yeah, about we're, to say. We're there. We we got we bring the darkness. Yeah, we bring the spooky side of of the local podcast sphere of of nerds between um, uh, screens from the basement and your brand new show. Comics that's right night. comics by nights and uh just really quick you guys it has been on a little bit of a break but it is coming back i'm so excited to hit the books again i even brought my bouquet fresh uh, freshly cut um i just fed an annoying neighbor to it earlier today um so <laughs> it's very happy right now um but uh looking forward to flipping some more pages getting back into those spooky books especially from the 60s great stuff uh so yeah. more to come on that comics by night baby Woo. Oh my god, that's awesome. Um also, uh yes. before the camera started rolling, we just can we just give a shout out to our, our homeboy on on disc on CD. Yeah, we were discussing the finest of of musical delights and that is Limp Biscuit. We yeah. are we are all fans of Limp Biscuit. I knew Sam liked Limp Biscuit. John, <laughs> I had no idea. Uh I think this makes me want to just go across the screen and give you a a, a hug right now that you love Limp Biscuit. There you go. You know, Boom. I just, I've said it many times before. Mr. Frederick Durst is like the Beethoven of our time. <laughs> True. I, <thought> I, <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we, we should do a, we should do a Fred Durst episode. And talk we about should, because he's directed. Terrible, he's, he's directed a horror movie and it's terrible. Yeah. The one with uh, John Travolta. Yeah. Oh, the really? fanatic with the Devin fanatic. Sawa, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> It's so bad. It's it's so bad. It's good though. Yeah. Oh God. All right, John. We'll have you back on for Fred Durst movies. 
<laughs> I, I will watch them just to I gotta speed learn this because I don't know that I've ever seen those. I did not know this was a thing. So <laughs> I will one hundred percent check it's I wild. think he only has one movie. I think it's it's the fanatic. I think that's his one and one and only so far. If you There's guys... gotta be a horror movie with oh, Limp no. Biscuit cameoing somewhere though, right? like there's a party scene where they're playing nookie in the background like has to be has to be there there has to be right yeah yeah (laughs) yeah oh man no absolutely and just see if you can get him on the show in the director capacity because i bet he would eat that opportunity up oh god that would be so awesome that would be a ton of fun to have. (laughs) (laughs) have him on here john we have one more thing to talk about before we get into our usual spiel of the show. Let's get into it. This Ooh. episode is going to drop on Friday. We're recording now here on Tuesday night. People are watching live. You can guys can uh, comment along as we're going on this show. But John, what is what is this big event coming up on Friday yeah. that you have a little involvement with? Yeah. Um, so we uh, through a, a Supercon, a local comic book convention here in the Sioux Falls area, we decided. What if we threw a party to celebrate cosplayers? Cosplayers are individuals that dress up as superheroes and villains and other characters, and they put a lot of time and effort into those looks. Um, And it goes from anywhere from beginner level all the way up to boom, nearly identical to what you're seeing on the screen or reading about in the book. And it's just such a neat trade. And the one thing that we like at Supercon is giving back to the community. And cosplayers are great at that. There's several groups in town that give back to the community. So the whole point of the Super Snowball, it is a winter themed gala for cosplayers to celebrate them and celebrate the coolness that is cosplay. And we threw the coolness tagline in there because if there's one thing we know how to do here in the Midwest, it's to be wintry. Uh, so we definitely have that going for us. On Friday, uh, if you are in the Sioux Falls area, Icon Event Hall downtown, uh, February 2nd. Doors open at 6 p.m., $10 at the door, um, 18 plus. Uh, and uh, with that, you just get an evening of hanging out with other cosplayers. We will have some guests on hand uh, to you can grab photos with them and you can ask them questions about their looks and see if you can learn and network a little bit in the cosplay community. Guests include the Sioux Falls Sanderson sisters. Uh, so featuring the gals from Hocus Pocus. Awesome. Uh, and they're amazing human beings. Love them. Uh, South Dakota heroes and villains. So that's going to be like your Avengers heroes and villains that you're seeing on the big screen. Uh, and then finally, the South Dakota Ghostbusters, a staple here in the 605. And all yeah. have just been great at getting out in the community, making people's days. Um, and it, that's what it's all about is just having fun with it. In addition to that, we'll have a couple of vendors there. Um, so for those of you that have attended Supercon, we have the Bow Devil Cabaret uh, will be vendoring there. Uh, Bamboo Panel Studios, I might know a thing or two about that, uh, going to be tabling there. Uh, and so uh, local comic book publishing company, I happen to be a part of it. Uh, but uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, you guys. And uh, we actually will have in hand our first uh, Ashcan issue, which is a preview issue of our projects to come later this year. So that'll be on sale. Um, and then on top of that, we will have the Supercon table with a ton of cool prizes. They're actually all in my living room right now. Um, so <laughs> Shane was not kidding around when he said, yep, let's go ahead and do that unicorn ring toss. But the prizes are actually kind of impressive, including uh, there is a Supercon banner signed by Jim Cummings. 
Uh, so Whoa. that is insane. I was like, that's coming with me to this. Are you sure? You know, because I thought it, would it be might like, not make it raffle. there. I, it might end up on your wall in your living room. I, I, you know, but I just was floored. And so yeah. this is uh, this has been really, uh, uh, you know, well, everyone that's guesting here is super excited. The one the other guest I did want to lift up, though, Mr. Wyatt it, Bills is going to be there uh, for doing yeah. photography. Uh, yes. So he'll, he'll have portraits, portraits he'll be able to take of guests uh, available for purchase. But he does really good work. Um, and then also rumor has it that CJ, the DJ from Epic Sounds, is literally during, doing like a couple of nerd blends. He said that he has hip hop blended with Final Fantasy music. I am so excited about this, you guys. Like getting tipsy to like FF7. And I'm just like, I, I'm going to keep an ear open all night for this. And I told him, you need to email me those. I really want those. So that makes me super happy. So the DJ is putting in extra time to make sure like all of the groups are represented, that there's some nerd, you know, minutia up in there, some mixes, stuff like that. And he just is really good at what he does. So it's going to be a, a good time, you guys. Um, and uh, you'll see me noodling around there, have my hair down. Uh, looking more like I'm on comics by night, but I'll have a blue fabric instead of my red because it's supposed to be icy. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm excited uh, for this one. It came together, you know, nicely, and the public's response to it, I think, is what's been most infectious about this whole thing for me. Uh, Supercon definitely has a strong support, uh, and rightfully so. And uh, yeah, that's that's just kudos to all of us. That's not just cosplay or programming, but that's going to be you guys with film festival everything everything so what's the over under on cj playing some limp biscuit for us on friday <laughs> uh you know i'll uh, ask him and you should tell him make that happen we need some rolling on that playlist yeah, we need some rolling yeah we need a limp biscuit super mario mashup <laughs> i will i will ask him I'll yeah him right now <laughs> or at least like a like a like a need for speed or gta rolling cover <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, or I, Mario, no, Mar- never mind. Mario Kart. We're gonna keep Sam's Mario. Yeah, it's Mario Kart, but with Roland. Yeah, <laughs> coming up with ideas right here on the spot. <laughs> Boom, done. All right, sweet. Uh. Uh, I will be there as well. Uh, maybe I'll dress up as uh, as our Lord and Savior Fred Durst on on for, for my co- <laughs> yeah, yeah. for my cosplay. Yeah. I don't know his Coachella look. You got to go with the dad look, the gray Ooh. comb over. The weird not, aviator tinted Sam, glasses. I, I'm not that gray yet. Yeah, but I'm saying there's hair dye, Casey. Maybe for one oh. night only. Silver foxes are all the rage now. Especially <laughs> if they're named Fred Durst. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, that's coming up this Friday. Go check out everything. Uh, just follow Supercon on all their socials. You can get all the, the full deets there. Uh, you can see me and, me and John probably just standing in the back. Yeah. Or hanging out i don't know who knows wallflowers wallflowers yeah uh sam what do we got going on here for the rest of the show what is what is our first topic of discussion well i added some screaming mad news before we even decided what the topic of this episode was um because i just got really excited um an episode ago we uh talked about how christopher landon had exited scream seven as the director I was very upset about that. He is absolutely one of my favorite horror directors working today. Um, He has announced his new project that he signed on for, and it's a freaking werewolf movie. I'm so excited. I can't wait to see Christopher Landon take on werewolves. Um, 
there was a title attached. I didn't put it in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> but it involves werewolves. But it involves let's, werewolves, and it looks let's awesome. Just, let's just guess which 80s mashup this is going to be. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be dirty gonna, dancing with a werewolf. Okay, okay. Yep. I was gonna say a werewolf. <laughs> a werewolf stay off is my. <laughs> you know, but what if what if it was a uh, redo of Wolf Cop? Oh yeah. What if does Wolf, <laughs> Wolf Cop need a, a a remake? That's already a, a it, master. It truly is a, a an American classic. It is. It so, is. Yeah. Better than American Werewolf in London. Better than The Howling. It's just the goat. Whoa. I'm, I'm totally kidding. But <laughs> There's some heavy. Bold. Wolf Cop rules, though. Yeah, yeah it does. <laughs> the theme song's banging, too. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's it for Screaming Mad News. I just wanted to give a shout out. I know we were talking about how we were bummed la- last episode on that. And, uh, you know, we didn't have to be bummed for long. Christopher Landon's back. And I, I couldn't be happier. So, Casey, now we move yeah. on to the next step, uh, the next part of the episode. Um, you have nothing in the notes. John, I don't know if you've been doobie doing anything lately, but what have you guys been doobie doing? Sam, I, mean, I, I, I failed you. I have not watched a single horror movie besides the two movies we're talking about <laughs> since we last recorded. Uh, what I've been doobie doing, we can maybe you and I can touch on this for like literally 30 seconds. Uh, we watched the Royal Rumble, yeah, together, so that's like all I've been watching leading up to that. So that's what my last two weeks looked like was watching old Royal Rumbles because for wrestling fans, the Royal Rumble is Christmas, and Mm. yeah, we we had our Christmas this past Saturday. Uh, our boy, our boy Cody Rhodes won. Yeah, my my pick Bailey won, so I uh, was very excited about that. My my girl Liv Morgan got hosed. Hey, she came back. Hosed. She's at least back. <laughs> She's at least back, but hosed. <laughs> she did good. She eliminated Jade. Yeah, that's true. Liv Morgan's uh, a badass. My uh my doobie doing net might be a little more extensive just because lately it's been like work work work. But I have not been on the show at all technically yeah yeah so this will be a first for me um i gotta say i had a chance to i had a a buddy uh introduce me to the wolfman so i honestly have not seen a lot of these classic horror movies before and uh i got to watch the one with anthony hopkins in it so it was a newer rendition of it but then i went back and watched the old one right afterwards and it was so cool to see the roots of like you know where it hailed from and then i watched the old yeah. dracula on top of that too it was actually i think while i was working on these um and building all that stuff uh may- maybe or no we already shot it by then i don't know i was working on something and it was just a, a, the best time ever because i'm watching these amazing movies while i'm crafting or whatever and uh it was it was, it was a lot of fun so i definitely look forward to watching more vintage of uh, scary movies just because it's good to understand the roots and appreciate um you know where we came from so yeah absolutely mm-hmm. dude i love the old universal monster movies i've got a giant blu-ray box set of like 30 of them Heck yeah. um, <laughs> that was did you, that was did you my... like the remake of the wolfman did you like that one yeah i thought it was a lot of fun it uh yeah. It reminded me a lot of there's been some renditions of Dracula that have a lot of like bad CGI where the bats go crazy everywhere. And I love that visual. I always have. It made me 
tolerate Morbius. Uh, uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. And that was a tough one. Uh, but uh, I love the bats going everywhere thing. So a lot of the Dracula movies, uh, you know, have that uh, in it. And uh, this reminded me of that kind of a vibe. It was that same time period where we're starting to dabble a little bit more. But it was a good story. Um, and the acting, I thought, was good. So. Yeah. I love that one. I think it's I think it's underrated. I it's one of the better uh better horror remakes especially from that decade. So Yeah. Yeah. I'd watch it every Halloween. So Yeah. No. It's rad. I actually have never seen the remake of The Wolfman. Maybe we'll oh, have to seriously? Do, a, do an episode on that. Yeah. We I've should. never seen it. Yeah. We should. I yeah, dude, it's it's uh it's pretty badass. I love it. All right, Sam, I know you got a list. What have you been doobie doing lately? Oh man, I've been doobie doing I, I've watched a lot of wrestling too. But um I so a while back I like a I don't know last week I posted on TikTok that I had a pretty good Blu-ray haul. So I watched I watched a little bit. Um one wasn't from the Blu-ray haul. One I watched Destroy All Neighbors after you talked about it so highly on the last episode. You said I would probably love it. You were right. This is a prog rock splatterpunk like nightmare fest with Alex Winter under heavy prosthetics, hamming it up with the phoniest Russian accent I've ever mm-hmm. heard in my life. Um, it's so fun. Uh, this this was just like a blast from start to finish. Um, couldn't believe that it was able to keep the energy that it had for the entire runtime. Because so many of these movies, there's like always a lull about halfway through. I did not feel that with this one. I felt like it just kept its foot on the gas the entire time. Uh, really love Destroy All Neighbors. That's on Shudder now. Um, I watched the very, the very first one, Hell House LLC, yeah. also on Shudder. Um, that movie is fucking terrifying. Um, I watched parts of it through my fingers. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to guess it was the, uh, the bedroom scene with someone standing in the doorway or like, they're like, no. or with like the door is open. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 That one. Um, I was, I thought you were talking about the very final sequence and I'm like, mm-hmm. that's weirdly like the third act when it starts like explaining what happened mm. it's it's less scary to me but the build-up to it is so effective that it just like i i haven't really stopped thinking about this movie since i watched it and that's always a good sign so uh yeah hell 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 house llc was um yeah it was one of the more terrifying movies i've ever seen i think it paired really well with lake mungo which is another like faux documentary style um horror movie that really got under my skin in a much different way than this one did but yeah yeah yeah. just oof yeah good stuff because we were watching or we're doing blade 2 for this and i hadn't watched either blade or blade 2 in quite some time (laughs) i uh i rewatched the first blade and oh my god that movie's a ton of fun Mm. um yeah steven dorf is a really good villain um the cg is not very good but beyond that like ah uh, they just they don't make superhero movies like that anymore and uh i just i dig this one it's a it's a nice little slice of late 90s superhero slash action horror and mm-hmm. i feel like 
this is this is going to put me on the hit list of a lot of people, maybe even you guys. Um, I feel like this is a precursor to the Matrix, and I'd rather watch Blade ten times over than a Matrix movie. Um, that's just just my two cents. Anyways, um, appropriate of the uh, Blu-ray haul, I also got um, the Critters box set. It's just the first four movies. It does not have Critters attacks in it, which is okay. Because up until I bought this box set, Critters Attacks was the only one that I'd ever seen start to finish. Um, and I don't care for that one as much. <laughs> it's not my thing. But um, I watched Critters 1 and 2, and they're totally my thing. Um, Critters has, you know, D. Wallace, uh, Scott Grimes, who I was just watching on the TED TV series that just dropped on Peacock. I was expecting middle-aged Scott Grimes for some reason when I saw his name in the credits and then he pops up and he's like a 13 year old kid and it kind of blew my mind. <laughs> um, he's in the first two. He's really good in both of them. And uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed both of them. Critters two is an Easter horror movie through and through. It is dripping with pastel aesthetic and uh, just, I mean, the whole thing is painted in Easter. There's an Easter bunny in the background of every frame. There's like a, a an egg basket sitting in the corner. And, you know, and then the critter eggs have like a prominent role in it being Easter, which is really fun. Um, yeah. And Critters 2 created the giant critter ball that's iconic now in uh, in horror cinema. So, yeah. Really love the first two Critters movies. Can't mm. wait to watch three and four. Probably hear about them on the next episode because I'm burning through them pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's what I've been doobie doing. Other than that, not much else. It's been kind of crazy busy at work. So mm-hmm. I've been coming home and sleeping. <laughs> yeah, I feel so. that. We've been uh, we've been just watching, rewatching king of the hill just at night and it's like <laughs> that's all i want to watch when i come home now king of the yep hill. yep uh oh one of the great halloween episodes is in like the first season of king maybe it's the second yeah it's an incredible halloween episode so yep the one we'll where to... the one where hank ends up going like trick-or-treating yeah where he's the devil yeah he's the devil yep yeah yep <laughs> yep that's i awesome. love that episode yeah maybe we'll have to do that around halloween do another tv horror episode yes all right well let's get into our main this might be the fastest we've ever gotten into our main topic <laughs> we're we're 23 minutes in and we're already there i feel like it usually takes us like an hour to get here but we're being we're already, efficient this episode. we're being efficient this episode uh well the the topic for for this episode is a uh, is is one that we came up with as soon as like we started screams in the basement it's it's a topic we wanted to talk about we came up with the episode title sequel del toro like as soon as we wanted to do these two <laughs> movies it's it's not a great title sequel del toro no but it's it's 100 it's the awesome. first one we came up with it and we stuck and, and we just stuck with it it's stuck uh, also full ta- disclosure this episode was literally just an excuse to get casey to finally watch hellboy 2 I've been harassing about it. I've been harassing him about it forever. So <laughs> yeah, 100% it is also like, we'll get into it here in, in just a second. Blade two is one of my favorite 
comic book movies ever. So mm. anytime yeah. I can talk about Blade 2, I'm, I'm down for it. So we're talking Guillermo del Toro sequels. We're talking, I believe these are the only sequels he's ever directed, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think you're right. And the first one I'm going to be talking about is 2002's Blade 2. <laughs> which is one of his first uh, English language films that he directed. It's kind of crazy to see like the guy who made like mimic and, <laughs> and uh, the devil's backbone gets this like big budget Hollywood comic book movie before comic book movies were really big, but let's take it back to 2002 talking blade Two. what, what was your guys' first memory of watching this movie? When did you guys watch it? <laughs> I didn't watch it in theaters, but I'm curious if maybe you guys did or watched it on on on, on home video. John, what about you? Do you remember the first time you watched the masterpiece? Blade yes, uh, definitely not in theaters. Uh, I can say that, and that's a huge regret of mine. If they ever do it on the big screen, I would absolutely go uh, because it it is it is. Well, I, I shouldn't spoil how I feel about it, but it's a darn good movie. It was mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. Uh, but um, no, I, I believe that I probably would have just either purchased. I, I went on a DVD spree like in early the early 2000s into like just shortly after uh, graduating college in 2008, something in there. So I just had a ton of discs that I accumulated and Blade was right up there uh, with what I was into and digging. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What was your first time? So my first time is super hazy. Um, but I deliberately, like, I distinctly remember, and it might have been the first Blade, to be honest with you, but my first memory of Blade is I went over to my neighbor's house. Um, so I lived next door to this old couple in a small town where I was, like, one of the only kids. Every once in a while, their grandson, who was my age, would come visit, right? And I'd go over there, and we'd hang out. And sometimes his grandpa would just be, like, my neighbor would just be playing like very much not appropriate for maybe like a seven-year-old movie. Um, And he just have it on the TV and he didn't care that we were, you know, playing in the other room or whatever, even if we walked in and started watching it. And I like distinctly remember Blade and watching that over there and it just like grossing me out for one thing. Because it was like maybe my first introduction to just gore in general. <laughs> and it just, yeah, I, I, I think it might have been the first one. But then obviously, like later in high school, it was like when I started getting into horror and started getting into superhero movies more. You know, I got them on DVD and revisited them. And I always thought they were good on uh, rewatching them. I personally like i think these first two are great i think they really need to be um higher up in the conversation of great comic book movies uh i was shocked to see both of them actually at like a 57 percent on rotten tomatoes i'm like how do you watch these movies and not think like i i don't know i just Mm. that baffles me a little bit but yeah that's kind of my history with blade like i said it's a little hazy, but that's what it is. What about you, Casey? I I distinctly remember going to Walmart in high school. And this was when Walmart still had the four-pack movies. 
<laughs> it's when they still actually had a movie section. Uh, but this is when right. they had the four pack movies, and they had Blade One, Blade Two, Blade Trinity, and the Blade TV show from Spike TV that came out in like the mid two thousands, and that was featured on it as well. And I think that was only like a five or six episode thing, and they put it all on one disc. And I remember going home, and it was maybe the reason I signed up for Voodoo in high school. Because it had a voodoo code in it. And it's still like if I scroll all the way to the bottom of my voodoo, I think it's the first thing on there. Oh my god, that's awesome. Is the the four pack of Blade, well, three Blade movies in the TV show. Uh, Yeah, so this was like when I was getting into my comic book movie phase of, I don't know, this is probably like 2010, 2011, like right before the Avengers came out where I was just trying to consume everything Marvel. Because I thought like it was, I thought it was all connected back then. Turns out it is now, but uh, <laughs> even back then, I was like, "Well, I got to watch like the Fantastic Four and the Punisher just in case they sh- they show up in the Avengers." They haven't yet, but who knows? They might. Uh, so yeah, that was my my origin story on Blade. And the first time I watched the first Blade, I didn't love it. I liked it, and then I got to Blade Two, and I'm like, "This is." This is it. This is my movie. I love this. And then Blade yeah. Trinity, I think I've watched once or twice. Yeah. It's 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 bad. It's really bad. Yep. It's yeah, it's bad. It's really bad. I don't yeah. like I don't want to shit on it. It does have Triple H in it as a vampire, so it has that going for it. <laughs> That's right. Oh my god. Uh Ryan Reynolds and Jessica Beale are are in it. Wesley Wesley Snipes kind of gave up. Well, filming it. Um, but Blade <laughs> 2 and Blade 1, I think, are incredible uh, now. And yeah, Blade 2, I, I I feel like I watch this movie maybe once a year, once every two years. I just love putting this one on. It's it's just one of my favorite comic book movies. Yeah. So let's jump into like the origins of this movie. It is uh, written by David S. Goyer, who we have talked about before on the show, Sam. He also wrote the full moon film Demonic Toys. That's right. The first yep. time we talked about Mr. David Goyer, he would go on to direct Blade Trinity and wrote like he co-wrote Dark Knight and Man of Steel and tons of other comic book um, properties. But uh, he really got his start here, at least in comic the comic book world with Blade. And so 1998, the first Blade comes out. It's really... Howard the Duck came out before that. I understand that. But it's like the first big Marvel comic book movie. Mm. And I think it's like, it's so interesting to look at now, like what comic book movies were like, even back in 2002 when Blade 2 came out, because mm-hmm. that's the first year of, of Raimi's first Spider-Man. Yeah. X-Men had just came out two years earlier. DC was not really doing anything because Batman and Robin DC happened. had just gotten Batman put six feet under. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Marvel was kind of like, this is their really starting to ramp up because once Spider-Man comes out, it was not off to the races, but almost every year a new Marvel movie would be coming out. And now we're at like seven a year. So that that's, that shows the trend of, of these Marvel movies. I just find it interesting that Guillermo del Toro was the guy asked to do the sequel to this and maybe that's the right guy 
he was the he was one hundred percent the right guy, and that's my next question for for you guys. What's your what's your history with Del Toro? Because this was this was definitely my first Del Toro I watched was Blade Two, and then went back and watched all of his other stuff. I think the only ones that I I haven't seen, uh, I think Mimic might be the only one I haven't seen of his. Oh, and Pinocchio, I haven't watched that yet either. But <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I want to see that. So like the bookends of his career almost. I, I haven't watched yet. But yeah, I think he's he's such an interesting director to take on this property. He fits perfect. I'm not saying that as a bad thing. He's one of my favorite directors ever. But looking at like even like The Devil's Backbone, it does have a dark, super dark fantasy undertone to that movie. Mm-hmm. And this movie does too but also like combined with like you said sam matrix type action in this like blade does a suplex to someone at the end of this movie he's like doing kick flips off off motorcycles in the beginning (laughs) it's such a i just love del toro and his directing style and i think it does fit perfectly here and i love how he directs action especially in these two movies blade 2 and hellboy 2 he has a very Mm -hmm. unique style because it i can't think of many other directors that direct comic book action better than del toro yeah what do you guys think no i 100 percent agree like i i've been pretty vocal about how i think the the like the raimi spider-man movies have gotten web swinging perfect and nothing else even with a uh even with like the leaps and bounds we've made in special effects technology Mm -hmm. Like, nothing else has come close to those original Raimi movies. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of how I feel with with Blade. And it's because there's actual fights, there's actual stunt choreography. The camera's actually letting you see the fights instead of just quick cuts and jostling. Um, it's just so rare that you get that anymore. And the way that he so cleanly directs action... I kind of would love to see Del Toro make another comic book movie at some point. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he'd work within the MCU. I mean, I I loved Raimi's uh, Doctor Strange sequel, but there's no denying that that has, it's a little bit at odds with itself at times, trying to be both a Raimi movie and a Marvel movie. Um, But I would still love to just see Del Toro come in and, and, I don't know, try to do something in the landscape as it is now, because I think he could do something really neat, mm-hmm. but I'd also want him to do something weird and off the, off the cuff, like maybe not like a super mainstream character, um, you know, like a Hellboy or I mean, like a blade blade is mainstream now, but I feel because like of the movies. Yeah. But yeah. I feel like it's because of the movies. Um, but John, you're the comic book expert. Maybe I'm just like, yeah, I was actually going to shine some light on that too, from an earlier comment that was made. Um, It's really interesting to me that uh, like you said, these movies are getting slept on, on rotten tomatoes and uh, it kind of, first of all, the comic book industry, we all see it. A movie comes out, comic books for that character first appearance go way up. Yesterday, you could have gotten it for $3. Now, all of a sudden, it's a $300 book or whatever, yeah. just because of that. And that's that's the reality of it. When I worked at the comic book store, I saw it all the time. Personally, I don't agree with it. Um, I collect because I'm passionate about the character. 
Um, and uh, with the Blade books, that is exactly uh, the situation. All of these Blade comics, I own the majority of them now with Collecting for Comics by Night. And uh, it was a bit of a challenge to get it because they're, one, they're lower print runs. So Avengers was hot, X-Men was hot. But these uh, 90s you know, horror characters that they s- suddenly started putting out, Blade, your Ghost Riders, you know, all that. It was just lower print runs, especially towards the end of those runs. Um, Blade, gosh, what was it, like 11 or 12 issues or something like that for volume one? Um, and then the subsequent volumes afterwards were very limited series. Um, so it's it's really interesting to follow along with that character. I look forward to truly reading all of it. I have not read it yet, but I've collected probably about 95% of the books now, um, nice. which is all of this mess behind me. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> it uh, it's definitely a process. And the other thing, too, with Blade is Blade's history with Marvel is not just with the comic books, but also appearances in magazines that they did at the time, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he'll he'll have little appearances here and there in the Vampire Tales, things like that. Um, I've collected some of that, but that is a realm, a, a different level of Marvel darkness that I'm still dipping my feet into. So uh, I would consider myself a mid-priest of the dark arts <laughs> of comic books. Uh, but yes, it just, to me, it just, it looks and feels like even if it's a comic book or a movie, that it does kind of get that C-plus treatment from the overall public until Mm -hmm. there's a key moment right and so when blade one hits theaters at the time people were like holy crap this is awesome you know uh blade two same thing when this new blade project comes out there's going to be a revival of not just the books but the previous movies as well oh yeah um and that's just the way it goes you're going to see streaming numbers through the roof if you guys monitor those um or or purchasing or you know whatever however people are getting their films these days yar (laughs) uh but uh (laughs) uh same thing with comics you know and uh you know toys and all that stuff too so i i personally am i've learned as a collector of comics to if you're at all interested in it go for it uh things like a venom comic book uh, they might not be the best, but Venom is actually one where it goes very quickly and then it's hard to find. So if you try to jump into the same run later, you're going to pay probably 2x what you would have if you would have just gotten it from the get-go. You never really yeah. see them on the dollar wall. Um, and so uh, it's just really interesting to see how the public receives darker stuff like this. Um, and, and I've only seen it mainly with like horror uh, characters and then maybe some like anti-hero kind of things. But sometimes those stories are the best, which is why I do the show that I do. You know? yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and I suspect it's probably the same for movies, too. I'll be uh, I'll be curious to see, though, how things look coming up when that new Blade project drops. But I agree with both of you. I think that these films, at least one and two, uh, have their own legs mm-hmm. to stand on. Yeah, I want to jump into the characters of this movie. And John, I'm going to ask for for your guidance on if they are comic book characters at all. Because I did a little looking up, uh, especially for the villain of this movie. There's a little piece of trivia. I thought that was interesting on it. But uh, we have Wesley Snipes. He plays Blade, obviously. Uh, Chris Christopherson comes back as Whistler. Our, our boy Ron Perlman. This is also a Ron Perlman double feature. He plays, uh, he kind of plays the main antagonist of this movie, Reinhardt. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna mispronounce her name. I do apologize. Uh, Lenore, uh, Varela plays Nisa. Uh, Norman Reedus from Walking Dead fame plays <laughs> S- 
Scud. He should have been named Scud, Scud. in every movie and TV show Norman Reedus has ever appeared in. If there was any person that embodied the name of Scud, it's Norman Reedus. Yep. Oh, man. Like, he says his name in this movie, and I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what you're called. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what everybody calls you. There's no... <laughs> No doubt in my mind. Uh, and then there's Luke Goss who plays Nomak, the 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 one of the main antagonists besides Ron Perlman's the one the the one that everybody's going after. He's the vampire hybrid. He's also the villain in Hellboy too. So we'll talk about him in Hellboy too. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, did you guys notice that Vince from the Fast and the Furious? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. is essentially just playing vampire Vince in Blade Two. I like to think these worlds are connected. Yeah. Like, cause he's still the, he's still the guy that's just like, not quite sure about the new guy. And he's got his suspicions. And you listen, know. a year before we saw him disappear at the end of the first, uh, fast and the furious. And we didn't see him again for another like 10 years. Yep. Yeah. There cause he pops up in fast five and then doesn't he die? He dies in fast five, but yeah. in, in between those two, he becomes a vampire. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Seems that works. Uh, that works. And then Donnie Yen also plays one of the the vampires in this as well. I don't yep. think he has any lines in this. He was no, also a, no. he was also a stunt coordinator on the movie, so I think that's his <laughs> connection. It was just nice to see Donnie Yen pop up. It was. I got so excited when I saw him, and then I realized, like, as the movie progressed, I'm like, oh, he's just gonna be background. Like, he's just here for a couple of cool fight sequences, and that's that's it. Um, which it's Donnie Yen, you know, like he got his paycheck and he looks cool as fuck doing what he's doing. Yeah. So <laughs> that's what I got to say. So this movie is so it's so 2002 in the best way possible. Yeah. <laughs> and I love every second of it. Everything yeah. is everything feels so vibrant and lively for but it's also like a very dark movie and it keeps that dark palette throughout the entire movie but it also feel fills that that comic book vibe that you're that you're wanting out of a blade movie even more Mm -hmm. so i think than the first movie i think the first movie has a pretty a pretty serious like just vampire action movie tone whereas Mm -hmm. this one goes straight up into comic book territory where it's like blade has to fight an uber vampire the the reaper <laughs> vampire that's like a, a hybrid where even vampires are scared of this vampire because it's going after them and changing them into into reapers and so he has to team up with what what's the name of this group the ron, <laughs> ron perlman's group it has a badass name oh uh, yeah what are they called it's like the the blood blood something i'll what let you look that up thing? sam uh, but it's led by Ron Perlman's Reinhardt, who is, a, is he's a racist. I mean, they were the blood, they were, pack. The blood pack. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> such a great like comic book name. And he he is awful in this movie, Ron Perlman. He's such a bastard, and I love it. He's so good at playing a bastard. He's so good in this movie. He, the The banter between Wesley Snipes and Ron Perlman in this movie mm. is incredible. From yeah. the the Tell me, do you blush line? It's like, oh, I hate this guy already. <laughs> I hope he dies. He 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 definitely does by the end of this. Apparently, that was a line Wesley Snipes requested for this movie, too. Wesley Snipes really? has a very he has a lot of creative control when it comes to the Blade movies. And yeah. 
that was a, a a line he requested because someone told it to him one time and he's like that's a that's a bastard line let's give it to our most bastard character <laughs> ron perlman who spends most of this movie with a tiny explosive device strapped to the back of his head uh-huh. yep and that's the only reason he's not even more of a bastard yeah uh yeah. What I love is that this movie has such great setup and payoffs throughout it because there's a vampire in the opening of this where Blade is just going after a bunch of vampires to get to Chris Christopher's and to Whistler who was turned well he died in the in the first movie. He right? dies in the first movie and then they retcon it because they're like, well, we can we get Chris Christopherson, yeah. so why don't we bring him back? I don't, I don't, I don't love it, but I don't hate it because it's so well done. I mean, here's the thing: I, it's like a blink and you miss it. Like they turned him into a vampire, but then for some reason, like Blade's able to just cure him. And I'm like, if you can cure him, why can't you cure other vampires? And I was like, I'm not even gonna get into that. Um, <laughs> Whistler's back. Who cares? He, Let's he go kick some he ass. Wasn't sh- he wasn't <laughs> sure he was going to come back. He was going to, he's like, the, the sun comes up, those, that door opens. Either you're turned or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. But like the movie opens with him like kicking ass against all these other vampires and he lets one guy go and says something along the lines of like, I'll see you later or you'll see me around. What, something like that. Yep. And that's the bookend of the entire movie with that random guy. He sees yeah. him later in the vampire nightclub and the guy just runs away because he sees Blade. <laughs> it's such a great like setup payoff for this movie. Same with when Ron Perlman's introduced. We get the the bomb in the back of his head. Mm. And we get that like the setup of like we hate this guy. He's a bastard. We get the tell me do you blush line. Blade pays that off by the end of the movie right back at him when he spoiler yep. alert for, for Blade 2 where he just slices him up the middle. Yeah, just totally bisects him. Yep. Oh, it's and maybe the that, that may be the best piece of CGI in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> I agree with that. Because there's, you know, not a, there's not a lot of great CGI in this. Uh. But the thing is, is like, I feel like the CG in this is at least better than the CG in the first one. Yes. Um, in yeah. comparison, there there's miles of difference. But the thing that I think works for this movie is most of the time I feel like the CG is used to enhance what's already being done in camera. You know, like little details and added textures on the Reaper design. Um, things like that. Because like mm-hmm. when the Reapers come out and their mouths start to unfold and they've got all these tendrils and crap, like that stuff looks incredible throughout this whole movie. Um, the Reaper design is just, it's, it's the best. It's yeah, so it's, cool. in, it's insane. It's insane. I, um, uh, really quick before we leave the blood pack behind here, I just wanted to give them another call out, uh, because that, you know, we keep comparing this to borderline matrixy, but this, this whole team just, I was giggling so hard. Like, <laughs> What's your name? I am Lighthammer, the muscle, the token muscle of the group. <laughs> yeah. And then a gal, of course, you know, someone always has to ride on his shoulder or whatever. And then Priest with his shades and long hair. And I'm like, dude, okay, where's where's the other where's Trinity at? Let's have the phone ring. Let's 
you know like what's going on here it uh-huh. just it, it made me giggle a little bit but the the names and everything it i know this was early 2000s boy i felt like i was 97 98 yeah with some of that um, it does especially with comics it's that classic team build you have the big one you have the snarky guy you have the swordsman mm-hmm. you have the leader you know yep. uh, it's just so funny um also with the blood pack uh upon uh, you know because i like i told you i, I kind of tuned into some videos to kind of uh check out this movie from different perspectives and when this team came up it made me think of a recent book that came out and this is uh, actually uh definitely canon in uh marvel uh there was a team of vampires called the unforgiven who drink only animal blood uh oh. and so they don't consume human blood and they recently did like an arc where they intersected with spider-man captain america the x-men um but they actually appeared it was a few years ago in an event called fear itself where hulk went up against dracula uh or something like that you know and they were in there so that was their first appearance too so it just made me think about that and i'm like i bet you were gonna be seeing some more vampire craziness coming up for sure yeah i hope so i hope they dive into that corner of those comics in this upcoming blade stuff because Like they can now. It's yeah. it's Marvel. People are gonna show up regardless. You know, they already I, did a werewolf TV show. Like yeah, exactly. TV special, whatever you want to call yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Like if I you if that. you can do a black and white werewolf special that does not lose a single member of your core audience because people love that one. Yeah. Like you can do anything. So I fully expect I. I fully expect them to go crazy with blade and i'll be very disappointed if they don't like yeah are are any of these characters comic book characters john do you know um so for all the characters that you were naming the the blood pack all that stuff uh i just need to provide full disclosure i have not read a lick of blade yet because i'm reading (laughs) my stuff in order of release date so i'm still in the (laughs) 60s right now uh, so I honestly have not read from my limited exposure of Blade. I can't say that I've met these characters necessarily in comics, but that also means a lot of my Blade right now is just cameos and other titles I was collecting earlier on. Uh, so it would just have been Blade mainly. <laughs> from what I, the limited stuff I know from very limited stuff I've read on Blade, I, Whistler is a character mm-hmm. in the comics. I don't know about any of these other people i would yeah. highly doubt it especially yeah. in 2002 that they would pull <laughs> like every side character from the comics i would assume they would just make yeah. it up for the movie yeah what, one of the interesting notes that i did look up of a pretty popular comic book character that was supposed to appear in this movie he was supposed to be the the main bad guy of this movie he was instead of a reaper it was going to be morbius <laughs> wow really yeah, and the but Sony, I believe, still had the rights, obviously, to, <laughs> to the character, and was like, "No, we're going to do our own thing." <laughs> and, and boy, did they! 20, Twenty years later, they did. <laughs> Oof. Oh Oof. man, can you the imagine? Funny, that would have been the, gnarly. It would have been. You need still in yeah. two thousand two. You still could have cast Jared Leto, and it would have made sense. <laughs> Oh, that would have been interesting. Yeah, because his his transformation's different. Um, he's not like bitten by Dracula, so that's cool. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, and I know the uh, Blade Trinity pulls. I think most of those characters are from the comics. Mm. 
At least I, Ryan and, Reynolds and Jessica Biel. And yeah. Dracula, you know, bald, beefy Dracula in that movie, <laughs> pulled directly from the comic books. Yeah. Uh, but Blade 2, back to back to back to this movie. Uh, what's what's some of your guys' highlights or favorite moments of, of Blade 2? What's your favorite scenes that stick out to you? On my side, I personally loved the team reveal only because I was giggling so hard. So again, it, it gave me the Matrix vibes and it was just just crazy, you know, just that 90s goodness. I always, every time I see that scene, I just feel like I'm 10 years younger. It's very magical. Um, but <laughs> I got to say, I really, I, I mirror your sentiments about the Reaper reveals. And I got to say that I loved every scene that the Reapers were in. I love the fact that they instilled fear in vampires, which instilled fear in everybody else around them. And so mm-hmm. that was a really cool concept. Uh, and where we were at as a society and where we were at with our media consumption, we weren't as desensitized as we are now uh to a lot of these concepts and so back then holy crap this is a big deal the vampire nation is shaking in the roots you know um and so it was uh i i thought it it was a movie that was uh definitely needed for its time but maybe ahead of its time too in some great ways it really pushed you to think like what could be worse than vampires ta-da there it is you know mm-hmm. <laughs> um and so i i appreciated that um and then i will say that i I really just the the fight scene when they came into the warehouse, the two ninja yeah. deliver the message. The one I know the there light. was a lot yeah. of CGI and lighting and stuff like that, but overall, that was pretty darn entertaining. Yep. So. Yep. I love the I love the fight between uh between Blade and, and Nissa mm. in front of like that giant wall of lights. Mm. Um just uh the way that's choreographed and performed is so great. I I think the whole the entire sewer sequence yeah. where they're down there they're planting the bombs <laughs> that is just it's so tense it's so thrilling they're genuinely just some like terrifying visuals where all the reapers are like crawling down the tunnel towards mm-hmm. people and it's just like oh god you see him just lurking in the background and ah uh, I, every everything about that sequence uh right down to the like twists and turns um you know which team members are going to turn on each other um oh god these people are turning on blade how's he going to get the upper hand yeah that that whole sequence yeah. is just it's it's one of the best third like I'd say it's in the third act, at least. It's like the first part of the third act. And mm. it's one of the best third act sequences in a comic book movie I can mm. think of. Mm. Um, because there's just, there's genuine stakes. Um, the whole thing is just pulled off so stylishly in a way that only only Del Toro can really do. And, uh, yeah. Did you, um, did you say uh, that it had genuine stakes because it's a vampire film? <laughs> <laughs> I did not, but <laughs> I can't, I can't not make, I, I even have to subconsciously make terrible puns. There you go. So. <laughs> hey, they are, I don't think there are any stakes that way in this movie. Ooh. No, that's, there aren't. That's actually probably very true. Yeah. Isn't that weird? They, yeah. They use the sunlight because the shooting, shooting the, uh, the Reapers. Oh, yeah. The autopsy sequence. 
Oof, where they're yeah. pulling yeah. apart the reaper and there's the bone encrusted around the heart and it's mm-hmm. just oh those practical effects are so gnarly i love it this movie has such great i'll, I'll get to my favorite point uh, my favorite moment in a second because it takes place in that sewer scene too but the world building that this movie does is incredible. The first right. movie does a great job too. I don't not putting that down at all because I think the first blade sets up this world perfectly that we get to expand in blade two on, especially with the reapers of like, we've talked about where they're the vampires are terrified of them. And if they're terrified of them, humans should really be terrified. And this feels like a very early two thousands, like underworld resident evil, type of thing like this movie has tons of those type of vibes in it and del toro does such a great job of world building in this movie that autopsy scene of like understanding vampire dna like you just don't get that in a lot of vampire movies Hmm, or even monster movies of like let's figure out what makes this monster this monster and how we can use it to use that to defeat it it's such a great sequence uh but my favorite scene of this movie is in that in the sewer scene and it's one of my favorite action movie lines ever and it's so perfectly delivered by wesley snipes mm-hmm. it makes blade the biggest badass in the entire world it's when just tons of reapers are coming up on him like i don't know dozens of them and he pulls out one of the bombs and he just yells, you obviously have no idea who you are fucking with and throws it down. <laughs> and they all explode. It's peak cinema for me. It is one of my yep. favorite scenes in any movie ever. It's one of my favorite action movie lines. Y- you understand everything you need to know about the blade character with that one line too, of like, this guy has no fear. He's going to destroy every vampire that comes up against him. And why don't these vampires know who he is? Because he's Blade. He's the Daywalker. He's their vampire. It's so good. That's yep. awesome. <laughs> oh, you know, man. Going back to your world building comment, too. I love the different ways that vampires consume blood in this movie. Like... They're snorting blood crystals yeah. like cocaine. One of them's literally eating a like a block of gelatinized like blood. It's just a jello mold, and he's mm-hmm. just like eating it with a fork. Like it's so gross and so weird. And like I guess it, I'm I also have not read any of the Blade comics, but I can't imagine that those things the like the blood crystals the gel- the gelatin like that has to be a del toro thing that has to be a del toro thing because it's such a weird it's such a weird thing to put in a vampire movie like i would have <laughs> never thought to like oh yeah make blood into jello and have your like big bad just be lounging in a bathrobe eating it like what <laughs> that's so just it's weird it's gross it made my skin crawl um there's something about like seeing blood not runny that's like ew you know yeah they have a ton of fun with their blood in this like, I can. There's Ken, <laughs> Ken cameo. <laughs> uh, they have a ton of fun of, with blood in this movie, and my favorite, my favorite visual is at the end where, like, Blade is down and out. He's done for. Whistler comes to save him, and basically, Blade just falls into this giant 
oh. water waterfall fountain yeah. of blood and rises out of it like he's like he's uh from like he's in apocalypse now like yeah it's it's incredible i love and he's that juiced like, like the blood had steroids in it yeah <laughs> like wesley just was pumping a bunch of iron before they shot that scene he's like i gotta get jacked for this one yeah so oh, good. god it's great and then right after he 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 kills ron perlman's character reinhardt and yep. whistler throws throws his sunglasses to him and he just catches him in the air and puts him on <laughs> it's the best i love it so much it's so it's so late 90s early 2000s it is right on down to the soundtrack which is just like all techno and like new metal <laughs> and <Yes. laughs> uh, um, i will they, say they don't too. make them like this anymore and it's unfortunate <laughs> Uh, I, I just uh, to your point though I his portrayal of the character though from what I've read of Blade so far chef's kiss and uh, if we go ahead with this new project if it happens with all the pushbacks the MCU is experiencing um, uh, the upcoming actor if he's still on the project at that point has some very big <laughs> shoes to fill in my opinion yeah. oh absolutely yeah. I feel like Wesley Snipes is almost a uh, like it's almost a Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man level right. casting where it's just like, man. And I mean, Mahershala Ali is like a multi-time Oscar winner. He's a great actor. He's yeah. been in a Marvel series before. He was incredible as Cottonmouth and Luke Cage uh, for Netflix. But I'm also like, man, how do you follow up Wesley Snipes' Blade? Yeah. Like, I want to see him back. Like after watching this, that's all I could think about was why why aren't Blade, we no way Wesley home. Snipes? Yeah, why aren't we just bringing <laughs> Wesley Snipes back? Yeah, I would not be mad about that. I wouldn't be mad about that either. Also, I want Wesley Snipes and John Wick Five if that movie happens, just because I feel watching Donnie Yen in this, I was like, ah, oh, Donnie Yen is so good in John mm -hmm. Wick Four. I want Wesley Snipes now in John Wick Five. Mm -mm. Anyway, anyway. Oh, I love that tax evader. <laughs> hey, he Yeah, can't blame I mean, me. look, if you're going to if you're going to go to jail for a crime, tax evasion is like one of the coolest crimes you can go to jail for. He is Wesley Snipes after all. He's Blade. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's wrap up this conversation. Blade 2, do you guys have any final thoughts and uh how many how many lines of vampire blood cocaine would you give this movie? Oh. This is a solid 4 out of 5 cocaine bloodlines. Mhm. Mm Just your expression when you saw it. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you listening audio wise, you got to watch the replay. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, you know, I'm with Sam on that only because I would give all five, but I gotta like experience that, I guess, because I've never heard of such a thing for a cocaine bloodline. So mm -hmm. I'll give it a four out of five as well. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna give mine a four and a half. I'm stopping halfway through that last one. I just can't do it. Uh what happens is the 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 light from that the that fight scene hits me in the face and like blinds me <laughs> from finishing it. I don't love that scene like you guys did. I think that's the one half star I give it where I like the fight choreography, mm. but I can clearly tell that those are just two 
poorly rendered computer characters fighting. Yeah. Tomato, tomato. I like yeah. I, I like the fight. I like the actual fight. I just wish I wish the CGI was better. Mm. Yeah. It's still better than most of the CGI we get. It is. I mean, I I can't name a single no, okay, I can. I was about to say I can't name a single uh phase four movie that has better CG. Um, but then Guardians of the Galaxy 3 exists and that yeah. movie actually rules. So uh yeah. I can't write off phase four altogether. <laughs> Most of it, absolutely. But yeah. Guardians was amazing. Yes. Yep. All the fields. Absolutely. Moving on to our next phase, we are talking Hellboy 2, the Golden Army. Sam, I'm gonna I'm just gonna give this one to you. <laughs> tell us, okay. tell us about Hellboy 2, the Golden Army. Let's take this back to 2008. I was a teenage kid on the cusp of manhood. Fully getting into superhero cinema at that time. And a little movie came out called The Dark Knight. And I went and I saw that four times in the movie theater. Boom. I loved that movie. It was my entire identity for like two years, like most young men my age. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I had like three different posters of Heath Ledger's Joker on my bedroom wall. <laughs> no joke. Um, <laughs> then, uh, you know, something weird happened. I, uh, I turned 18 and I bought Hellboy 2 on Blu-ray at one point. And I put that movie in and I thought, why have I never heard of this movie? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, I, I actually saw Hellboy 2 before I saw Hellboy 1. Mm-hmm. Um, I will forever be upset with Christopher Nolan and The Dark Knight from here on forward. Because what happened is both of these movies came out in 2008 and The Dark Knight dominated the conversation. Uh, all the way to the Oscars. I don't get that. I'm sorry. I love that movie. I don't get that. Whatever. Um, this was a terrible idea to just let me fly off the handle. About I was going to say. Well, um, anyway, we're we're not anyways, ta- we're not talking about the cinematic masterpiece, The Dark Knight, one of the greatest comic books. But we kind of have to talk about it a little bit because here's the thing, and I will pose the question later. <laughs> That movie tanked Hellboy 3. And after watching Hellboy 2, there is not a chance in hell that I would not have liked Guillermo del Toro's Hellboy 3 more than I liked The Dark Knight Rises, the eventual conclusion to the Dark Knight trilogy. I say all this to say I love Hellboy 2. It is one of my favorite comic book movies of all time, hands down. And... I think it is a criminally underrated masterpiece that is only criminally underrated because of the unfortunate time period in which it came out. Hellboy two rules. Um, anyways, that was my ADHD rant. Sorry. I feel like I saw like an ad, like you're running for president or something right now. (laughs) Like you with the American flag behind you. Make America Hellboy again. Yeah. This is the hill yeah. that I will die on. <laughs> <laughs> Hellboy 2 is a better movie than The Dark Knight. Um, yeah. 
that's where I'm at. So I don't agree with that. Uh, I, I watched <laughs> this movie for the first time ever in prep for this episode because yes, because of Sam yelling at me, telling me how much the Dark Knight sucks in this movie rules, and <laughs> I liked it. I like Hellboy too. Uh, I I've only seen the first Hellboy once, and that was a couple years ago. I, I'm late to the Hellboy game. Mm. Uh, it was one of the later Del Toros I watched, even, and I liked the first one. And I like this one probably about the same. And I don't think it's like one of the great comic book movies of all time, but I do think it is one of the most underrated comic book movies of all time, because in 2008, we're coming like, that's the transitional year for comic book movies, right? Yeah. Like Iron Man comes out, kicks off the MCU. Dark Knight comes out, Oscar buzz and Oscar wins for that movie. And, kind of two different paths go from, from those two releases. And then you have Hellboy 2 just kind of still sitting there in 2008 and nothing happened afterwards, oh. which, which is unfortunate because I do think it's a really fun comic book movie. I think, it, again, talking about world building, I think Blade 2 and this and Hellboy 2 have so much in common in terms of oh, yeah. building a world, setting up a villain that has family history, that we explore that family history and why they're kind of ousted from their own family. There's so many similarities. Yeah. Isn't it, it crazy? Just, it is. It, the same actor plays the, the villain in both movies. That's, yeah. how, that's how close it gets. Yeah. Now here's my question for you. I know that you saw Blade 2 first, obviously. Like, Blade, yeah. like for me, I think that Blade 2 is like a very obvious precursor to Hellboy 2. But I think Hellboy 2 nails what blade two is maybe a little too action focused to to quite to land it's the oh god how am i gonna say this i think hellboy two does what blade two is trying to do thematically better because blade two is more focused on badass action whereas hellboy is definitely more character driven Hmm. in my opinion would you agree kind of with that? Ish? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. And it, the similarities are very close until you get to the main character. Yeah. <laughs> Blade is 100% a loner. That yeah. just so happens to have like tech guys with him helping him. Whereas Hellboy is, he's part of a big government organization. He has mm-hmm. Ape Sapien as like his sidekick. He has a love yeah. interest. Ape Sapien has a love interest. There's he's got cats. He has cats. He loves so watching Universal cats. Monster movies. He's 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 exactly like us. And <laughs> Hellboy 2 has so much focus on the characters and their relationships, where Blade 2 doesn't really focus on that like we we kind of joked about hey they killed whistler off in the last movie and then just sort of resurrected him in in this in the sequel they never explore that relationship too much further than the opening of this movie and saving whistler it's just okay now whistler's back full time and everything's okay between these two (laughs) yeah (laughs) and whereas hellboy 2 let's say like abe sapien died in the first movie and hellboy had a go and resurrect him somehow there there would be this back and forth relationship ape sapien would probably have like an existential crisis of being dead and coming back to life whereas like we said whistler just 
All right, everything's <laughs> normal. Back to the status quo. John, what about you? What's your what's your history with 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 Mr. Hellboy? With Mr. Hellboy, uh, so I I'm definitely more so uh, on between the two of you. I'd lean more towards Casey in that I still consider myself pretty new to the whole thing. I have not read any of the comic books, first of all, so that kind of made my opinion of it when it came out because I saw these both in theater, at least one and two, and I I unfortunately. Um, wasn't as excited about those films as I was about like a blade or any Marvel movie only because I hadn't read it. Right. And when I go to a movie like that, knowing that it's based on a comic, I kind of put my blinders on and I'm not like, is it a good movie? But instead, what does this mean to me as a comic book reader? It's, it's really weird, but my, my perspective at that time kind of crippled my experience with it. Um, when I was watching, you know, like I said, uh, just kind of some review videos, highlight videos and stuff to kind of brush up on this film. Um, I definitely, uh, there were some notes in there that made me giggle a lot uh, that we'll talk about as we talk about the plot. Um, it is a lot more touchy-feely, I guess, whereas yeah. Blade is more of yeah. a throw it and kill it kind of thing. I don't know. So maybe that's more my vibe, I guess. I don't know. But uh, I... I uh, yeah, I kind of, I, I think that for me, just having no exposure to the character at all um, kind of limited my appreciation of it a little bit. Um, was it a bad movie? No, you know, certainly not. Um, but at the time when I first saw it, I was not like, you know, blown away by it, unfortunately. And Sam, I'm not saying that to offend oh, you. No, um, no, This no. was me like when it came out uh, and, and now even. I would probably give him a go, though. I mean, this is coming from the guy that just watched the Harry Potter movies like a month ago. For Never the first saw time? him before. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? It's just. John, you're doing better than me there. I've only ever seen the first two Harry Potter movies. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I don't, you know, my this is just my opinion. And, the, you know, there's all sorts of people out there that haven't seen it yet or have and, and love it. So, yeah. But I respect it. But, yeah, there are some funny moments in this one. Yeah. So I, I love, I, I don't have an extensive knowledge of the Hellboy comics by any mm. means. Like mm. I, I've read pieces here and there, like a few trade paperbacks, a couple of comic runs that I've picked up over the years. Um, but it's not like I have this like encyclopedic knowledge of the history of all the comics or anything. But I do love the character of Hellboy. I love Abe Sapien. I just kind of love the BPRD. Like, I just think that organization and the world within that organization is super cool. And Del Toro just handles it in such a way where, like, this to me, the Golden Army stops being a superhero movie or a horror movie and just kind of is a fantasy movie in and of mm -hmm. itself. Um, which is weird because I'm not typically drawn to fantasy, but the way this is rendered, the way this is, is crafted. I just, the standout set piece to me is the one in the middle of the film with the, uh, with, with the, this, the jumping bead. Yeah. The jumping bean that turns mm -hmm. into the giant yeah. elemental, um, and there's that back and forth between uh, Hellboy and Prince Nuada um, about, you know, this is like humans will turn on you. 
this is the last of its kind. If you kill it, no one will ever see anything like this again. While you've got, you know, his superiors down screaming for him to shoot it. Um, and just that that internal conflict with both him and then with Liz, where especially in the end where, you know, she's essentially, she's literally choosing between the eventual end of the world and Hellboy, the man she loves, you know, like it's just, there's, there's so much thematically that I love about this. Everything with Abe Sapien and the, uh, the princess is just so, it is done so well. Um, and honestly, my, my actual favorite scene in the whole movie is not even it's not an action scene it's not anything it is when hellboy is drunk wandering around after hours and he comes across abe listening to his cheesy love song and they just start cracking beers and singing together and just bonding and it's just we do not get moments like that in superhero or comic book movies anymore we just don't and like it's funny, it's heartwarming, and it's not just there to be there. It moves the plot forward, it lets you know more things about the characters, and it gets interrupted by our villain, and our heroes are too inebriated to do anything about it. Mm-hmm. And it leads direct like to me, that just that right there, I'm like, we don't have moments, we don't have sequences like that in these movies anymore you know like i would say the only person that does those anymore is james gunn right which is probably yeah which is probably why i've absolutely adored everything he's done despite being largely pretty tired of of comic book movies recently um you know and i i say that as like Guys, the first three phases of Marvel, I was at every single one of those movies opening weekend in the theater. Like, I could not get enough of them. And I don't even think I've seen the last, like, three Marvel movies. Yeah, I'm, right, I'm right there with you. I think, <laughs> I think a lot of people are now, too. I yeah. Become, and again, it, it goes down to why did we, we love those first three phases? Mm-hmm. It's because you love the characters. Why do yep. we love Hellboy? It's because I, you love the Hellboy character. You love Liz. You love Abe Sapien. Like you love the characters. And yep. I think this, like you said, Sam, that's that's the the best thing this movie does for me is the characters, where you you feel for all of them. You understand all of their relationships to each other. It allows the movie to slow down and have those intimate moments. Of like you said, where they're listening to the record together while they're getting drunk, and then when they go and they're still plastered, go and like stand over Liz's bed, and Hellboy just <laughs> talks about like she's his entire world. I and would do goes, anything for. Or I would. What did? What does he say? He's like, I would give my life, my entire world for her, but she wants me to do the dishes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then it goes directly into, oh no, the bad guy's here. We need to go into an action scene, but our heroes are are too drunk to actually fight. Yeah. And it leads just... it directly into the third act where Hellboy has like this this shard of metal, this piece of the the uh villain's spear, like 
inching and, its way towards his heart to kill him. And yeah. if they try to remove it, it goes closer to it. And you get another Doug Jones performance as the Angel of Death, mm-hmm. which, oh my God, that creature design is so good. That was like, nice. oh, I just, that it, this movie, uh, guys, I just, I love it. The Angel of Death sequence is just, it's, it's unrivaled. It's, it plays a little bit like the pale man from his like pan's labyrinth. It, it, mm-hmm. It's got flavors of that scene, but I just, I love it. This I, movie leans very heavily into the dark fantasy side of del Toro. Yeah. Which, oh, for sure. Del Toro is such, again, he's such an interesting director where he can do, he, I mean, he definitely sticks within genre for mm-hmm. everything he does where you you can have something like The Devil's Backbone, which is like a ghost story. You have Blade 2, which is a straight-up like R-rated comic book action movie. Then you have Pan's Labyrinth, that's like a dark, twisted fantasy, child's fantasy. Hellboy 2 kind of combines all of that stuff into one. Yeah. And then he, he makes like Pacific Rim and makes Oscar-winning movies now with like Shape of Water. Like Del Toro is one of the most versatile directors that can make almost anything but you still know it's del toro every single time you watch it and it's not just because of the style of the movie it's because of how he uses all the elements of the movie if that makes sense it's not it's not like a wes anderson where it's like visually you know that style that's wes anderson del toro it's like oh no you gotta like how the characters are presented how the world is built what themes and what what elements he puts into it in terms of like fantasy or horror or sci-fi you can just tell it's a del toro movie and through and through hellboy 2 is especially that like that that elemental scene of the 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 little bean that like grows into a giant monster i don't know how you watch that and you're not like Let's give this guy a Cthulhu movie that he wants to make because <laughs> yeah. that's exactly what that is. Yeah. Put into a Hellboy movie. That's my favorite. I think that's my favorite scene in this movie is that because it's it incredible. feels so fantastical. It feels very superhero. There's a point where Hellboy is saving a baby, which mm-hmm. him and Blade both had that in common where they both <laughs> save babies in their movies. Uh, except Hellboy doesn't give a coochie coo to to this baby like blade does in blade <laughs> trinity but that entire sequence feels like it's ripped straight from like the raimi trilogy yeah like it it's very, very reminiscent of those yeah. yeah and there's a shot where like hellboy's on one of the neon signs holding the baby looking up at the monster i'm like that just that feels like a very spider-man image to yeah. me and me well, as and the a back and forth between boy, him and Nuada, like that feels so much to me like the scene in the first Spider-Man where Willem Dafoe's goblin is like telling Peter Parker, like these guys, these humans, like these people are going to turn on you. Mm -hmm. Like, why are you, why are you so obsessed with saving them? And it deals with a lot of those same thematics. I, to me like this, this was the last gasp of this era of superhero filmmaking like this was this was the big finish i like i know you have thematic elements in some of the marvel movies and those are the ones that i enjoy the most um but it does feel like 
it does feel like post this and maybe it's like the boom of CG and how quickly that technology advanced. It felt like it feels like these big blockbusters stopped focusing so much on character as mm. much as like, what can we do visually? That's going to be super cool. What, what can we do to wow people with a spectacular action scene? And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like you can still make a very good movie with that. I'd argue that blade two is a very good example of, we don't really have much character, but like, wow, look at all the cool stuff that we've put in this movie. I just think that Hellboy 2 is the last is the last in an era that didn't forget that you had to still have an emotional through line in all of these. This is a movie that gets me teared up at multiple points. Like the first two Spider-Man movies are movies that that get me teared up. Um even like parts of the X-Men um, particularly like X2 has some real like emotional wallop to it in, mm -hmm. in certain aspects. Um, and I just, I don't know, maybe, I, maybe I'm just like way too nostalgic for this era and I'm putting blinders on to the other stuff that was coming out that very much was not like this because like, yes, I still love things like the Nick Cage ghostwriter and stuff. And I'm not going to make any arguments that those are great. Cinema. Yeah. I was going to say the, know, fantas like, the fantastic four the movies. Fantastic came four. Out in the like, I love the fantastic four movies with Chris Evans, but I'm also like, they're not great. They're not great. What but I, 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 but I think you're correct. I think, I think that's what makes some of these timeless, like the Raimi, at least the first two Raimi's especially stand out as like, Mm -hmm. These are timeless comic book movies that I would I would throw in Hellboy too can go into that goes into that same category. Guardians of the Galaxy falls in there. The Captain yeah. America movies. I think that's what really makes them stand out. And I'm not throwing in the DC movies because the Dark Knight movies feel a, different than the rest of those comic book movies just because yeah. of how how grounded and realistic those are. But. Yeah. I think what's missing for me, what's missing today in today's comic book movies and that Hellboy 2 has is the finale of this movie is the world is at the world's at stake in multiple ways of either the golden army is just going to come take over and all humans are going to die. Or like we talked about the scene with uh, what's it? The dark angel, correct? Uh, yeah. The angel of death, yeah. angel of death where the angel of death says Hellboy is going to destroy the world. Do you want to keep him alive or risk that happening? And again, it's like the world's going to end one way or the other by the end of this movie. But how does this movie end? It ends in like a weird gear fact. Like, I don't, it's not a factory, but it's like, it's just gears everywhere. Like, yeah. And it's so small scale. It's Hellboy. And challenging and him enlist, for the crown and fighting one guy for the crown with these giant like gear monsters yeah and it's so small scale no no buildings are getting destroyed no aliens mm. are coming from outer space to topple new york city it's just this one small moment between characters happening and i think that's something that's really been missing uh in comic book movies nowadays where it's everything has to be the avengers no, let's just have our characters fighting that inner struggle while also fighting the outer struggle of a villain who's 
causing that inner turmoil. And I think okay. Hellboy Two does it. Spider Man does it not team up with Iron Man every movie. Yeah. You know what needs to happen though, and if it did happen, I would not have these notions. Is let's put uh, Ted and Werewolf by Night in some things, and I'll be really happy with that. Yeah, yeah. like Avengers with Werewolf by Night. <laughs> yes, that's <laughs> a gr- that that show is a great example, or whatever you want to call it. That Marvel yeah. special is a great example of like small stakes, big characters. Mm. Yep, of like it just takes place in that mansion. And that's Here it. There's no the like, again. yeah, the world's not going to end. There might be actual like wooden stakes in that one. Uh, <laughs> but again, it's just a very small scale story with big characters inside of it. And I think that's what makes some of the, the, the great comic book movies stand out. Like Raimi's Spider-Man trilogy ends with Peter Parker is fighting the Green Goblin in the first movie, like in some like broken down building with, yeah. Brick collapsing and no one else is around. Mm. That's how that yeah. movie ends. It's not like mm. the world's gonna end. It's a small fight between the two, the two characters. And, and Hellboy it's still two one is... of the best third acts in comic book yep. movie history. It is. Uh, yeah, Hellboy and Hellboy 2's third act is incredible as well. I don't mm-hmm. love the giant, the the Golden Army monsters. I don't love them. They're one oh, of my. I do. I think the set, <laughs> the use of the gears. And the fight is just top notch. I loved it so much. I could have done without the monsters. And that's just because I know what Del Toro can do with monsters and the visuals of it. Even the opening of this movie where it's, is it stop motion? or It's stop stop motion. motion? I was actually going to bring that up because yes, there's a whole intro to this movie narrated by John Hurt coming back as, as the professor. Um, doing like essentially telling a young hellboy um the story of the golden army and it's all th- told through like claymation and shadow puppetry and i just oh, i love that opening sequence i think it's so cool mm-hmm. it's so cool i know also, i was i was starting to watch it and kayla was getting ready to leave and she's like what are you watching i was like hellboy 2 it was during that sequence and she's like i'm gonna have to come back and watch this Oh, I feel like it's Kayla incredible. would love this movie. Yeah, yeah. And again, I also it feels very Del Toro that opening. Yeah, like no one, no one else is going to direct a movie like that or a flashback sequence. Even Peter Jackson, like it, it reminded me a lot of Lord of the Rings. Uh, yeah. Peter Jackson just directs that as like live action. It's part of this world. Del Toro, on the other hand, like you said, uses different forms of animation to tell this story. Yep, it's it's a fairy tale that then by the end of the movie is set firmly within the movie's world. Mm-hmm. And I just love that. I, you know, what, one thing I, I was giggling about with this film too, and I, I I'm hoping sincerely that this is Hellboy too, but the um, shower scene where he was like in the shower and it was just like red muscles. And I'm like, this is so over the top, but I'm kind of here for it. I don't know. So I'm hoping that I'm hoping that was too. I'm thinking that it was, but um, it's like he was in the uh, bureau's like locker room area. Yes. Grabbing mm-hmm. a quick shower. It was the funniest thing ever because um, it just shows the, the casual side along with the beer scene of uh what it means to be a superhero or an operative i guess and yep. it just and it's just i i think that uh 
day-to-day monotonous things like that were always dodged in comics because you know readers evidently don't care about that but it just i don't know to me i always find those mechanics kind of helpful so that way you can relate more my mm-hmm. biggest complaint with the superman you don't you don't identify with them yep exactly really exactly you know i didn't identify with him until he snapped some dude's neck and i'm like i get it for that you just gotta watch brightburn or whatever though yeah right (laughs) yeah oh god the shower scene with the beer too that that brings me to another (laughs) thing like i feel like we have to i feel like we have to talk about how the like seth mcfarlane is in this movie oh yeah yeah. as dr kraus the like ghost vapors that are just in the suit essentially and the whole fight sequence in the locker room between the two of them is so funny where he just he keeps needling hellboy until hellboy punches the glass and the vapor all pours out and the suit just like falls down to the ground and hellboy thinks he's killed dr kraus only for kraus to come through the the lockers and start like hitting him in the face and the back and everything and yeah, his beer goes everywhere. And then you just have that really goofy visual of Dr. Krause's like corporeal form running away while you have Seth MacFarlane's maniacal giggling <laughs> playing over it. Like and okay, another another voice performance. I'm so glad that Doug Jones actually voices Abe Sapien in this. Um, in the original, in the first Hellboy, David Hyde Pierce is the voice of Abe Sapien. Doug Jones just did the physical performance because the studio felt they needed a name like David Hyde Pierce to help get people in seats. Hmm. The yeah, issue you know, big, was big, big box office draw, David Hyde Pierce. I mean, this is coming off of Frasier, so I kind of get it. I kind of get it because he's huge in Frasier at this time. But the funny thing is. David Hyde Pierce was like, no, this is Doug Jones's role. Like he made Abe what he is. So he decided that he didn't want to be credited. He didn't show up to the premiere. He didn't do any promotion. So like no one even knew David Hyde Pierce was in the movie anyways. I I didn't know that until I looked it up for this movie. I just assumed Doug Jones was always every part of Abe Sapien. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that, I mean, honestly, I that's part of what puts this one, because I love both of these movies, but that's what puts Hellboy 2, among other things, above the first one for me, is I like that Doug Jones has full control of the Abe Sapien character, and I love what he does with it. Like, Abe Sapien is incredible in this. His whole... His whole thing with, uh, and you know it's going to pay off when he's talking to Hellboy. And it gets me choked up just thinking about it. But his whole, I don't even think I have tear ducts. I can't cry. And then later on as, I mean, spoilers for Hellboy too. It's been out since 2008, folks. When uh, Princess Nuala sacrifices herself to stop her brother and shut down the golden army like there's just the shot of like abe holding her and just the single tear falling from it. and i'm like god i get i get like it, it's the whole raimi spider-man thing where i could see people being like oh it's cheesy but i'm like 
it's effective Mm -hmm. like it's heartfelt Mm -hmm. it's (laughs) it's not this like snarky passive aggressive i'm an aloof cool superhero that just seems to be pervasive everywhere else where and every yeah, every superhero is iron man now yeah yeah and i'm just like no you don't need to be you know like even iron man now is like an emotional point like you watch Endgame, and like all tony stark is is wall-to-wall emotions in that movie i think people took some of the wrong lessons from iron man because at, at least in in the in the first movie especially in iron man Tony Stark is a full-fledged character. He's snarky. He keeps everyone at bay, but that's part of the character. That's part of his growth as he goes through that movie. But people saw that and they're like, oh, they like quippy superheroes. (laughs) And so now everybody's just snarking off like Tony Stark did. And it's like... And yet they somehow can't make the one that should be snarky spider-man actually snarky anymore yeah, <laughs> yeah. and they, even make, him, they even make him iron man <laughs> jr and they can't make him snarky. and they can't make him it's snarky. ridiculous yeah. it's ridiculous oh we're not gonna get on a far from home tangent but that Uh-oh. is the worst spider-man movie by far and i will die on that hill i would rather watch morbius and both venom movies and watch that again yep wow. agreed Agreed. Wait, 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 wait. Far from home. Yeah, the one uh, where the he goes to Europe. The, the European the one with, one. Mysterio yeah. is awesome, though. He's the only good part. He's right. Jake Gyllenhaal's the only good and, part. Yeah, and I yeah. still will never forgive that movie. Sorry, side tangent. I still will never forgive that movie for making his whole his his whole motivation is Tony Stark was mean to me a decade ago. And they reveal that. Through yeah. him just popping a bottle of champagne and introducing all of his henchmen and telling them the plan that they presumably already know. Yeah. Ah, far from home just drives me nuts. Well, you forgot the best part of where Spider-Man, Peter Parker, literally tells Happy Hogan, I want to be my own man. I don't want to be Iron Man Jr. And then they needle drop the ba- next back scene! in black. <laughs> They needle drop back in black while he's building a mechanical suit. It's so bad. It's so oh, far man. from home is awful. Anyway, Hellboy Two rules. Far from Mysterio. Home if 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 y'all like if y'all like Spider Man Far From Home, I will not hold it against you. I, I have my own really bad movie takes too. So <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, Look, Sam. Sam likes Last Jedi, so we all have bad takes. Anyway, oh. one uh, one question <laughs> that came in here, you guys. I'm actually just peeking at the comments here, and this is actually a really good one. Uh, didn't the villain in Iron Man three get mad at Stark a long time ago? <laughs> That's yeah. literally every Iron Man fi- and every Spider Man <laughs> villain until No Way Home is that they all Iron- hate Tony Stark. Iron Man four is going to be about someone who didn't they didn't get accepted on Facebook as a friend. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Stark left him a bad tip at the restaurant. They oh, one they star on Yelp, it. villain. Boom. <laughs> It's pretty much all their origin stories, yeah. <laughs> Tony Stark door dinged me in a Costco parking lot. 
I'm gonna kill everybody now. <laughs> should, uh, you know what you should do, really, on the anniversary of Iron Man, is c- make an activity of coming up with the next villain origin, and uh, see comes up with the best one. <laughs> it's just it's really like... bad stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. It's like the uh, Tony Stark in high school worked at Subway and accidentally put extra lettuce on your sub, and you're like, I hate this guy forever. <laughs> why was tony stark working at subway in high school i don't know wasn't he like 11 in high school yeah he's just like he's just getting around those child labor laws mm-hmm. he's like oh i just do this to get out of the house my old well, man he has to get, sucks he has to get out of the house his parents are dead yeah <laughs> uh anyway let's wrap up this 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 bef- this conversation before we get too too far off. Topic. Hey, look, it was We're, good. It was good it. that we uh, we got to our main topic so quickly since we went wildly off topic multiple times. This was just an excuse for us to finally get to shit on Far From Home on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't know how we were going to get there, but we got there. We got there. Yeah. <laughs> uh John, thanks for talking these movies. <laughs> this has been fun. I uh yeah, these so like I said, these two though, I'm super newbie at. Um, but I am looking forward to getting more of my books read and stuff. So by the time New Blade comes out, I'm gonna be like, guys, it wasn't true because of X, Y, and Z, according to this book, <laughs> you know, and I'll be able to The Blood Pack shows up in issue number thirteen of Yeah, volume Blade. Yeah. Yeah. We should we should have you back on for uh for when blade the new trinity. blade comes out yep. for sure oh yeah oh I'll don't make me watch blade trinity we'll, for this we'll watch podcast. blade trinity and <laughs> ghost rider spirit of vengeance oh, why why would you do why? that can <laughs> we drink on that episode then because <laughs> yes like absolutely uh-huh oh I'm... we're gonna we'll drink like fireball so we can all piss fire like nicholas <laughs> spirit of vengeance. yeah all right, well, let's let's wrap this thing up then. We've been wildly <laughs> off topic for the last 10 minutes, but that's okay. That's how this show goes. Uh, so that was our sequel Del Toro episode, Blade 2, Hellboy 2. Please, if you're listening, uh, let us know your, your thoughts on both of those and let us know how much Far From Home sucks as well. Sam, let's get to the plugs for this show. Where can people listen to, to this podcast and uh, any other podcasts that we put out? Well, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, and until it goes away, Google Podcasts. Uh, yeah, it goes away in like just, two weeks or something like that. So, is it just getting merged into like YouTube or something? I don't YouTube, know. I think it's getting merged into like YouTube Music or YouTube Podcasts to start. I don't, I don't understand. Okay. I don't know. Hmm. So, you know, whatever Google Podcast turns into, just watch us on YouTube. Save yourself some time. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you can uh, you can subscribe there. Uh, leave a review if you want. Like, that helps us bump up in the algorithm. Plus, we always like hearing nice things about us. If you don't have nice things to say, don't leave us a review. Don't be that guy. Well, leave um, us a five-star review and then, then say yeah. things. Yeah, rate us five stars and you can say whatever you want about us. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's true. Uh, you can also follow us on social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. Um, and we have been doing some Instagram or some uh, TikTok videos. Um, getting better at that. Getting more consistent with posting that. So uh, it's been fun. 
uh, check us out there. I, I had someone watch. I had over a thousand people watch something I did. That's never happened before. That's, That's awesome. insane. So, yeah, be one of the thousands of people that watch our TikTok. <laughs> that watch our TikToks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my plugs that I got to throw out here. Uh, I need to throw out that we we can uh, we can we we can. I don't know. Not we. We already did it. We bought stuff. We bought stuff on our merch store. They, yeah, they the people out there can buy stuff from uh, our merch store. Uh, that is tpublic.com. You can simply just search Screams in the Basement. You can find us there. Uh, I believe every every other week they do uh, 30, 35% off sales. Uh, so you can get $16 t-shirts on there. Sam put it up uh, an awesome new design of uh, him and I in zombie form up on yeah. on our tea public store mine should be hopefully arriving sometime this week my my t-shirt if to, you want to see rep. one in action i'm actually wearing it in one of our recent tiktoks so yeah i don't know i'm gonna toot my own horn i think it's a pretty sweet design it is a pretty <laughs> sweet design uh we gotta figure out what else we gotta we gotta use that design for more stuff because that's how cool it is yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna work I'm going to work on some stuff because I, yeah, like maybe a new podcast intro with it and all, all that kind of stuff. Like we're, we've got some cool stuff coming up. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, speaking of cool stuff coming up, you can go to shop.fangoria.com slash screams in the basement. You can use that as our affiliate link. You can also use discount code screams from the basement to get 20% off your Fangoria order. That includes your annual subscription or any other merch that you want to buy to represent Fango. So uh, again, use our affiliate link and then use our discount code to save 20% on anything and everything from our friends at Fangoria. John, last but not least, where can the people find you online and anything else you want to plug about your, your goings on? Yes. Uh, so uh, for the streaming side of things, get spooky with me. Comics by night on the Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. It will be coming back with like a bone chilling vengeance at some point. I can't let these beautiful intro videos that these two gentlemen helped shoot and plan and design for me go to waste. Uh, so we will be back this year reading more dreadfully awesome reads uh so i'm looking forward to that you can catch me hanging out with the boys a comic book look uh, is four of us mighty comic book nerds just talking about books usually every wednesday we're on, we're always on summer operating hours so once in a while we just want to take a break off uh but uh we just talk about uh anything really uh word has it we might be talking about the suicide squad video game coming up uh yeah. that was Ooh, other sam's okay. idea uh so that's the thing so a comic book look you can find us on facebook youtube uh x x gonna give it to you uh, <laughs> so uh that's the that's the thing um and then i actually have a new stream launching in a couple of weeks here undercover comic reviews uh will be myself and my friend sean uh, nice. And that one will not be a live video. It'll just be a steady drip. We're actually taking on Alpha Flight Volume 1, um, starting from the 80s. It's 130 issues, and we're going to do it issue by issue, step by step. Um, so uh, looking forward to that. And then on top of all that, um, like I said, I am one of three people <clears throat> rocking and rolling with Team Bamboo Panel Studios, making our own comic books. And so coming up on Friday at the Super Snowball event, we are going to start selling our Ashcan, which is a preview issue of our projects to come. 
if you're planning on attending supercon this year we will be there as a vendor as well with two new projects ready to rock and roll so stay tuned for that uh tune into our social medias instagram facebook uh x law um and uh we'll uh, share some details about our upcoming kickstarters uh if you're in the sioux falls area we'll also be sharing details about our physical release parties for those nice. books too so more to come on all that awesome. i think that's all i have going on i don't know that's a lot going on john that's a lot john <laughs> so i'm tired just listening to the, to all that you are doing <laughs> i I, I mean, I'm already tired. Like, this week is already taken out of me. It's only Tuesday, but my God, man, do you ever slow down? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, no. But, you know, I got to say, you guys are just, it's so cool to see you just succeeding with the show. And thank you for all of your work and for what you bring, you know, to Supercon and also just to the film community. Um, and it's just been so fun getting to know you guys over the years, so. Absolutely, John. Thanks for coming on the show, man. Uh, it's great to see you doing what you're doing. Uh, yeah, your your show, your live shows are so much fun uh, when I when I can catch them. And yeah, yeah, love yeah. listen, love listening to you talk about comics, man. It's it's mm. great. It's mm. great. I have one more plug I got to throw in here before we go. Just because I, I I need to match how many plugs John had. Uh, we need to plug our interviews that we got going on here. At oh, yeah. Basement. We just did an interview uh, on Founders Day with the writer, director, and uh, star Eric Bloomquist. That movie is in theaters right now, so you can go check it out in your local multiplex and then check out our interview with Eric as well. It's a fantastic interview. Kind of go deep dive into that movie, and we talk some Boy Meets World on that as well. So <laughs> we shout do. out my Boy Meets World fans. And uh, next interview that we have, speaking of comic books, John, you know this guy very well. We have Dylan Jacobson joining us. Oh, yeah. His comic book that has just reached its uh, complete run, uh, Champions. So we're yeah. going to be talking about that with a friend of the show, Dylan Jacobson. Super excited to uh, have him on and chat. Uh, our first interview with someone who wrote a comic book. So I, John, if you have any other hookups that way. Yeah. Okay. I, I will I will definitely keep you in mind for sure. All Are right. you guys dabbling more into like just different mediums and like writers of different things or oh yeah. Yep. I think we're I think anything we, horror, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Anything yeah. horror or horror adjacent. Um, you yep. know, like yeah. I <laughs> you know, Dylan's Dylan's stuff definitely has like a darker edge to it and mm. a, a little bit more of a I mean, Champions has like a literal killer clown in it, so yeah. it's pretty great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he's just an amazing guy. Too. Oh, he, he is. is. He's, he's great. Yeah. All so. right, cool. Well, let's wrap this thing up. Sam, do you have any other final thoughts before we hit the end button? Um, just that I would have loved for Guillermo del Toro to be able to disappoint us with a messy, bloated, overstuffed third Hellboy movie like Raimi before him and Nolan after I just come on, you know, give me, give me a messy sloppy Hellboy three um, that doesn't live up to the hype and kind of tanks the trilogy. Um, because I, you know, as much as I complain about the dark Knight rises and Spider-Man three still happy, those movies exist. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah. Anyways, 
Maybe that will happen one day in our dreams, Sam. Speaking of dreams, well, let's wrap this thing up. Thank you all again for listening. This has been Screams from the Bo- uh, Screams from the Basement podcast. That's our guest, John Runyon, co-host Sam, co-host Casey. We will check you all later. And sweet screams. <sighs>